Welcome to The People's Show with Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Hey, what's going on? Good afternoon. Hope you enjoyed your long weekend. It is the People Show. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, Dominic Shermati, and you, the people, on the People Show. Text in 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. What is up, Randy Chanda? What's going on, Dick? There we go. The streak, the streak continues. The streak continues. Although it, it felt like we had turned a corner. My yeah. mic was working fine That's to start fine. off the show. No. I, Down 0-2 in the count. It happens. Whatever. I enjoyed my weekend. Yeah. Uh, I actually have, uh, you know, for a, a moment there, lost my voice. Vic is actually losing his voice. I, I don't know what's happening. If, if I lose my voice at some point, I, I, I wish I had a good answer. Didn't like even, why, like, go overboard on the long weekend. Of why this is happening. No, I, I promise you, like, I had a very tame long weekend. Hashtag washed. Uh, honestly, yeah. I, I readily admit how washed I am. But if, if you if you hear, or if you're listening to the JT Miller uh, avail, it was the first time I spoke all morning. I was like, oh, maybe my voice was just groggy. And I was like, no, I, just, I guess I'm just losing my voice. I'm washed. All right, we're taking side bets on whether Vic will be able to finish the show today as well. So get those uh, in on the, Plan the text inbox. I, I don't know what, what's going on. Uh, if you're watching us on the stream as well, uh, on Twitter, at Sportsnet650, at Pick Nazar, at Randy Janda, you'll notice uh, Randy Janda wearing a, a Ferrari shirt. So here's the deal. I'm going to defend Randy here. We were under the impression at the end of last week that we wouldn't be on a stream today. Correct. We were told by the we engineers in this building that we'd be doing it, the show from a different studio where streaming is not available. Yeah. So if you're if you're texting in or you're watching the stream, you're like, "Hey, calling me a coward." Yeah, where where's the Man United jersey he was gonna wear? Has he changed his team name in the fantasy football league after United got the result over Arsenal? Uh, we got into the studio today, the station today, and it's like, "Oh, we're in the main studio." We we, we had no idea. So so Randy Janda, stand up individual, a for agreeing the bet, and he has you know tweeted, follow through with the bet. Not backing down. He's doing all those things. Uh, but there was some confusion over uh, if we were going to be on the stream today or not. Yeah, so for the, the people that are keeping count at home, ha- you know, Manchester United fans, uh, my Arsenal. Or Randy Janda haters. Or that. Like the, the three that there are. I think I'm, yeah, actually there's a few haters out there. I'm not going to lie. There's like maybe They're definitely three. Uh, definitely strong on Twitter. But I will be doing <laughs> the bet. I will be following through on yes. that. Bick, you will be thinking of some sort of fantasy football name, unfortunately Manchester United related, which yeah. makes me shudder. And the second part, the kit, me wearing the jersey, that's it's coming. coming at some point. It's coming at some point. And the reason you're doing it. I will not back down. The, the reason you're doing it. 3-1! Woo! Okay, I'm going to say this because I've had a... Big result! I've had, you know, shots taken at me over the weekend. I was, I was with Arsenal Vancouver at the pub downtown. Watching it, a lot of disappointment in that bar. Calamitous, disjointed, <laughs> error-strewn, awful. Okay, that might be going that, a little too far. Was that Michael Arteta at the uh, 60th minute? That that might have been a that little. What that was going on? 
I'll say this. Congratulations to Manchester United. Big victory. Mm-hmm. You guys got the job done. Still optimistic about Arsenal. Top of the league still. That was a, honestly a tremendous match. It was It was, a, it was for a neutral. It was an entertaining it, match. It was not like one team parking the bus and getting a result or one team clearly dominant than the other. That was, here's two different strategies. And we've talked about this. You know, United's growing. They got some flaws in their game, obviously. But they've clearly crafted an identity uh, with that center back pairing. And Arsenal were very slick on the ball. And Man United took advantage. Slick on the ball, a lot of possession, didn't have the final ball, though. Yeah. And that's really what cost him in the end. So I will be following through, keep an eye on our streams, yeah. keep an eye on social media. Unfortunately, that day is coming. And you'll see Randy Janda's uh, fantasy football team name soon. Uh, if, you have, if you've got the invite, uh, by the way, uh, you should join the league because we're still missing a couple of people. So Check your junk mail. Check your junk mail. It's all that. Uh, more details on that fantasy football league coming up. But big news over the weekend, right as we were signing off on Friday, too. Uh, big shout out to everyone that's DM'd me laughing at the the stream. Double the, take. The double take. I didn't think it was as dumb in like live. And then I saw the stream. I was like, oh, that looks so stupid. I, I looked a bit silly, but it's fine. I, I'm, it, was, it, it was great. It was big news. I'm like reading a text. Like, I was like, that's a gift, man. I was like, we're doing this on a Friday before a long weekend. And I do a double take. It's like, is this real? And then, you know. You were like, whoa, I just saw it. And I was like, okay, this is real. I had to, re- I had to double check the text I got. I, I would like, too. If I got that text at the exact same time, I would have had to look at twice, if not three times. I didn't want to do well, the thing of like, breaking news. Oh, wait, I got got. So I do a double take, but a lot of people huh, had some fun with that. I got a lot of messages from friends who were like, maybe you make the text on your phone bigger. I was like, all right, calm down. <laughs> Get reading glasses. Calm down. So JT Miller uh, met with media today after that big announcement. $56 million over... Five years. Uh, we're going to do this thing too as well later on in the show. 2.30. That is your segment. Okay? Your segment to call in 604-280-0650. If you haven't had a chance to sound off, we appreciate all the texts we get. Sometimes it's tough to get to all the texts, but if you want a chance to sound off later today on this contract, if you're excited, if you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to double down on this roster, whatever your thoughts are, your chance to do so will be 2.30. Naturally, we always welcome calls. Whenever we have an open segment, you're always welcome to call in, of course. But we're going to do a dedicated call-in segment today, 2.30, your chance, and we'll open up for 20, 25 minutes where you can get your thoughts in on that big contract. So he met with media today. Uh, what stood out to you uh, on JT Miller, both with his media availability and also talking to Dan and Sat on Canuck Central earlier? Yeah, a couple of things. I think you know on the media availability specifically, I, I think that was a good, a good general sense of, hey, yeah, kind of him admitting he didn't scratch for every dollar. You know, there mm-hmm. was money left on the table. We've heard Brian Bartlett say that as well. But the recognition of Vancouver made a lot of sense to me. I didn't care about every single dollar. Probably could have got more in the free market. The conversation with Satin um, Dan, and check this out on the Canuck Central podcast if you haven't had it, that is where he got into a little bit more specifics about what he'd like to improve. And Dan asked him like very, you know, that question of, hey, you've, you've referenced about getting better. What specifically do you want to get better at? And big two things that really popped up. One was defense, the defensive side of the game. The other one, five on five points, five on five scoring, shooting more. So the honest assessment of looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I know I'm making 56 million. I know I'm making 8 million per, but those two areas are where I, as not only a leader on this team, but a guy that's making big money needs to continue to improve. On the day that you are 
you know, taking on that availability, speaking to not only local media, national media. I like that looking in the mirror and saying, I am far from a finished product. He's going to have to actually practice what he preaches. Yeah. But I like the fact that he brought that up in that conversation. That's a big thing for me as well. Um, I'm skeptical that from the center position, he will evolve into this good defensive player. Because I think year one from the wing, and he, look, he got a Selkie vote, a couple of Selkie votes, and there was real, I think, defensive value from the wing, and he was winning faceoffs, obviously, in year one. The last two years when he's had to gravitate towards the more of the middle of the ice and last season, it's been ample production, and that's great. He's left me wanting a great deal. Now, here's the thing. When you're producing that much, all you really have to do is get to slightly below average, and then you see the overall value of that contract. So he's just got to get to there. That's my concern. But I appreciate the willingness to acknowledge I have to get better at that. What's more realistic, though, if you had to pick one of the two options of the two things that he zeroed in on, defensively improving or being a better 5-on-5 scorer? Where do you think that step comes? I I think the 5-on-5 aspect, probably. Is that being over-discussed? Because I know he's, look, he brings a lot of value on the power play and... The power play essentially goes through him. I don't yeah. want to talk about, oh, Quinn Hughes is this power play quarterback. We want to see Elias Pettersson's shot, and maybe he can come a bit more of a playmaker. The power play goes through JT Miller. Yeah. No matter what talent there is elsewhere, and he produces on the power play, and all this concern, oh, he, he does so much on the power play. We were talking about this over the weekend and uh, before the show here. You crunched some numbers. Yeah, I did. And, you know, you look at some of the top scores in the NHL, and they all score in the power play, like all of them. There's only two players that scored more on the power play than JT Miller last year. He was tied with Jonathan Huberto, pretty decent player. But the two players that score more than him are Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. 44 and 41 points to JT Miller's 38. Now, once you start breaking down the percentage of how much a player scores on the power play, this is where it gets interesting. JT Miller, 38% of his points were on the power play. Which is a a great deal. Which is a great deal. But compare this to other players in that area. Kale McCarr. Power play goes through him in Colorado. Mm-hmm. 40% of his points came on the power play. Slightly different with defensemen, I know. Mm-hmm. But still, just keep that in mind. Miko Rantanen, 92-point score. Seven off the pace of JT Miller. 38% of his points also came on the power play. Connor McDavid, and the league leader that he is, 36% of his points came on the power play. The point is, a lot of good players score in the power play. Now, there are other players that gravitate a little bit lower. Matthew Kachuk, 27% of his Mitch Marner, 26% of his. So mm-hmm. the number's a little bit lower, but Vic, this is comparable to those players that I mentioned, and Steven Stamkos scores 34% of his points on the power play. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that 38%, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that he's getting that. You do want probably that 5-on-5 five five number to creep up a little bit more, but it's not going to creep up that much more. But, okay, so that just means 64 points? 64 points of his 99 were five or even strength. Two shorthanded, and he had 38 points. So there you go. 40 points of his 99 were not even strength. Pretty significant portion still, you know, to be said, right? are, are, are even strength. That's that's a reasonable number. And so, yeah, maybe game script matters more. And I haven't, to be fair, I haven't quite looked at that, like neutral settings and down one, up one, all that sort of stuff. That's going to matter in this conversation. But 
it's not as if he isn't productive five on five. To me, that's about a top 30 forward in the league, and he's not being paid like a top 30 forward. So you're, you're getting that five on five value. For me, the, the defensive side is more important. I will take 10 less points. I know they had to pay at a certain premium to say, hey, he got 99 points. For me, the baseline for JT Miller to to maximize the, the value of this contract is get to 80, 85 points for me. I'll probably take 80. And if there's defensive growth, just to get to average down the middle of the ice of, of how you play on the ice, that is a big step for me. And that is where this can push to say, if he starts bringing that added presence on the ice defensively, and he talked about it today of the forward's got to be better and it's got to be better team defense. It's not just on the six guys on the blue line. If that part of his game evolves and there's an acknowledgement that I have to get better at this and yep. we see it happen in real time, that's that's an exciting measure of this. I, I think people expect, oh, you have to get 95 points all the time now. Well, $8 million, it's like, he's not getting paid like Connor McDavid where he has to get 100 points. Along those lines, Derek and the Ridge coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. If he's actually being honest, he will have to sacrifice offense to be a better 200-foot center. Sure. To your point, Vic, where the paycheck – goes well with probably a point-per-game player or slightly above there, right? If he was a 100-point player in this league, we're probably talking about 9 mm-hmm. to $10 million rather than the 8 that he's getting over 7 years, 56 total. So, yeah, there's probably, when we were talking about what can JT Miller be, in the lead-up, the, you know, conversations that we had for months of how much is he worth. We know that total number is now $56 million. What can you expect from JT Miller? Based on this number, I think, yeah, you'd be happy with, obviously, a 95-point player. A player that can creep towards 100 points. But what this number tells us is that, at the very least, you want a point-per-game player. Oh, yeah. Where are those other improvements being made? And it feels like you're okay to sacrifice some points if this is an all-around better player. Because Elias Pedersen, there should be an uptick in his points. We've been expecting it for a while, and... Through the second half of last year, he showed that he can be that player. Now you need him to take that full step. So if JT Miller does sacrifice some points to be a better defensive player, others should step up. You've got higher quality wingers that should be able to pick up the pace a little bit. Garrett texting in 650-650. Always welcome your submissions. Uh, Wasn't scoring up across the league around 15% last year. Big drop-off coming this year. That's a bad contract. That is from Garrett, 650-650. And that's the point we've kind of made of, okay, if, if there's a natural drop-off, and there will be um, for, for a lot of players across the league because, yeah, it was a wild year with goaltenders, a record number playing, uh, so many transitions in net and the, the way the league is kind of evolving. If, if JT Miller scores 15 less points next year, look, that's still a point-a-game player. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to hear a lot of complaints of from people if he's a point-a-game player next year, and you shouldn't. That's still a remarkable season. 99 is special, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think he got a contract that's reflective of needing to get 99 every single year. Of the top 11 scores in the NHL last year, you look at that list, and we know the top end of it. McDavid's up there, Huberto, Goudreau. JT Miller's are number nine on that list. I'll tell, you one th- yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. Of those top 11 players, which on the back end is Artemi Panarin, Mitch Marner, there's very few names that will drop off on the upper echelon. I, I understand the points are up 15%, and especially for those middle players. Mm-hmm. Or maybe on that top 20 or top 25, you're saying, if 
few of these guys are going to drop off. It's rare to see players drop off from that top 11. We're talking about a list of McDavid, Huberto, Gaudreau, Dreisaitl, Kaprizov, Matthew, Stamkos, Kachuk, Marner, Panarin, and JT Miller's on that list. And I, I understand last year was a heck of a year. But it's not as if he wasn't productive the two previous but seasons. when we're talking about a falling off a cliff, like players in that range, they don't fall off a cliff if you're able to get 99 points. You know what I mean? Like They're like the Instagram photo of like, oh, look at me hanging off the edge. And then when you zoom out, it's just like, oh, it's a four foot drop. Yeah. So I, I, I understand regression. Like it's hard to continue to be better at 99 points. But how, if there is a regression, how much will that regression be? Again, like uh, 82 uh, points. I, like I'm saying check mark. He's getting that. A 20% drop is still 80 points. That's massive. And I don't think anyone's projecting a 20% regression from all those players that you mentioned. So Vic, last year, Elias, sorry, Elias Lindholm had 82 points, right? And remember he was, in a lot of people's opinion, the straw that stirs the drink on that mm-hmm. top line in Calgary. But he had an 82-point season, 42 goals, 40 assists. Let's just say, let's say next year, JT Miller has a year like that. I don't know how his defense is, but let's, from a production mm-hmm. raw numbers aspect, are you looking at that and saying that's a, that's a failure? Like, I, I don't know. If you're in the 80-point range, it's, I know there's wants and expectations yeah. and all that, but even, even a point-per-game player, if it's a 20% drop-off, I don't see that as a failure. And by the way, we should be talking about the year after. Because that's when the money kicks in. That's the, yeah, that's when the money kicks in. Are so we... the regression thing, and I'm with yeah. you, I was not a fan of the deal before it happened based on the fact that I think tying a player till he's 37, there's a risk, and how many good years are getting, you getting out of, of that contract? But I still stand by that. But in the first couple of years, that's where he's supposed to pick up points. He's supposed to be cranking out those points. I expect that to happen, and to me, that's points per game. Is he capable of that? Absolutely is. Uh, some thoughts there on JT Miller uh, when he spoke earlier today. Patrick Alvine, Vancouver Canucks general manager, also spoke today, meeting with media. You heard some of that uh, during Canucks Central. Uh, touch on a couple of things. I- I'm not too focused on the defense comment. Look, we're two weeks away from training camp. Patrick Alvine's not going to come out here and say, oh, this defense really needs some work. Yeah, they, they kind of echoed that earlier. I. I don't read too much into it. I think there's an acknowledgement that long-term, yeah, there's, the defense is going to have to evolve and maybe fit more of a style that they want because the defense is built on under, under another vision. There's going to be some evolution to the defense. I'd like to see it happen sooner rather than later, but we've talked like we've talked so much about this. How are you going to do that in the immediate outside of just like letting the contracts expire? That's it's it's become tougher, and that was a point Dan brought up yep. last week on Friday when we we're kind of breaking this all down. Where is that change going to come at some point? Yeah, I don't know if it's coming. Based on the way that the GM's talking, you know, there's an open door potentially for adding depth to the back end, but we're not talking about a game changing piece. Mm-hmm. You don't get game changing pieces on the right hand side of defense in September. It's it's not going to happen. It's likely not to happen. Now, one thing I do look back at a Rutherford. Alvin organization and the way that they played is 2015 Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Outside of Chris Letang, there was not really stars on that team. But what they did have, they had a system where they got the puck up to their wingers ASAP. They moved really quick. We're talking about Ian Cole. We're talking about Brian Dumoulin. Players of that stature rather than the star high-end players. And they played really fast. Now, 
with this group, are you essentially leaving it to Trent Cole and Mike Yo to say the system that we play needs to be improved with this group of players? Because Vic, that's what it feels like. Even if you add a Calvin DeHaan or an Anton Strollman, it's not a game-changing piece. You have to change the way that the puck has moved up the ice, something that they've acknowledged, something that Bruce Boudreau has acknowledged as well. So I look back at that Pittsburgh model that they had, where they had depth on the wings. They had depth in the middle of the ice. And the best way to move the puck up the ice was to get it to your wingers or get your centermen to, to hit those wingers and play fast, process the game fast. I'm not sure it'll work over 82 like it did for the Pittsburgh Penguins because it sure helps when you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel in his prime. Add a few other names in there that were really, really strong over 82. But that seems like is probably the only road you can take at this point in time because you're not going to be adding any impact pieces at Mm -hmm. this point. If you go back to, you mentioned uh, the the Penguins team, and even go back to Carolina and the way Rutherford has built blue lines. Yeah. They've basically dedicated, and and look, this is, it feels like minor fractions, but it turns out to be millions upon millions of dollars. They basically allocated about 28% of the cap to the blue line. The Vancouver Canucks are at a much higher number right now. Uh, I think they're closer to about 33. So there's about a 5% gap. And at some point, I imagine you, you want to get that number closer to where they're more comfortable building at it. And you, and you go through it like when they were in when they were in Carolina, it's like Yoni Pitkinen and Joe Corvo, Tim Gleason, not household names. And you translate that to uh, the, the Penguins. And you mentioned the 2015 team. It's like Scuderi and Trevor yep. Daly and Dumoulin and Ian Cole. But you have the one stud. And then you look at the forward group. It's, it's speed. It's skill. Talent up front. How do we just kind of piece together the blue line? That's something that they're going to have to figure out how to remove some of the pieces that better fit their vision of how to construct a team. Yeah, I wouldn't expect any sexy additions over the next, probably the season, really, if you think about it. But one other common piece in all of those teams, going back for Rutherford and Carolina, was strong spines, right? Mm-hmm. Where the center ice position on those top three lines is is solid. And that's something that the Vancouver Canucks do have here, where we look at it, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat. As of right now, that's the way it's playing out. That's the way that Boudreau has hinted at starting the season. So you have that. Now, can you make those internal in, internal improvements in terms of the way you play the game? And I'm skeptical because the last couple of years, when we've watched this defense and the, some of those same pieces, outside of Quinn Hughes, it's been tough sledding. It's been like they skate in, skate in quicksand sometimes. It, it, it You know, certain elements of this back end have not been that strong but there's new instruction there's new coach and Mike Yo that's coming in as well to be the X's and O's guys how much does that change well skeptical for what they want to accomplish right correct can the Canucks blue line be the 22nd best blue line in the NHL I kind of think so 22nd that's not a high bar to cross now if you do that and your forward group is top six then suddenly you can become the 14th or the 12th best team in the NHL just for this upcoming year. Now, I know a lot of people say that and say, well, that's not exciting. But, like Their their goal here, and, and your expectation, by the way, should be the, given the money that they're spending, get to the playoffs, win a round. And at that range, you can kind of do that. If you get the three C, the third seed in the Pacific, you can kind of do that. That should be the expectation. How you evolve into getting that into that top seven cluster that's like, oh, the real contenders, that's what's going to have to take some time here. Uh, and, and 
I understand people's skepticism and frustration about it, that they want to see it now. It's it's uh, eight months into the job for Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford as well. Vic Nazar, Randy Bjanda. We like to do it every day too. Uh, wrong answers only. Uh, Randy Bjanda's alma mater making a name change today. Big shout out to uh, SFU changing their team name. Their athletic department is yes. now called SFU Red Leafs. Red Leafs. Not leaves? No. Red Leafs. Okay, and the logo is slick. I like it. Red Leafs leaves me wanting a little bit. I, I'm not sure what to think about it, Vic. I'm not sure what to think about it. I, I like it. It doesn't roll off the tongue. I like it. I like. I really like the logo, The too. logo's great. The logo looks really sharp. Red Leafs. It leafs you wanting. <laughs> Today's dad joke of the day. Good night, everybody. That's fair. Good night. You can go home now. Leave on a high note. That's how they do it in Vegas. Leave on a high note. That's what, uh, oh, there we go. Dom learned in Vegas, man. Yeah, I'm surprised he's still awake coming back from Vegas. But the mentions of SFU Athletics right now are, there's, you know, some people that are not all that happy or maybe people, overreacting. People aren't happy on, on Twitter? On Twitter, yeah. Very rare wow. to see people ticked off on Twitter. Uh, but it does lead us to the wrong answers only. What should SFU have changed their name to? Wrong answers only. I like it. So uh, should I make a submission here? You can if you want. Wrong answers only. The SFU tuition costs. Tuition Ooh. fees. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I got one. What should SFU have changed their name to? The SFU almost UBCs. What? What? You're an alumnus. Yeah, what's going on? It's right? a wrong answer only. And yes, I did apply to UBC before I got into SFU. <laughs> they should have. Well, been, this one's personal. They should have been called the SFU Concretes. Oh, okay. I see you working. The fog. The fog. As as somebody attended that university for a couple of years, graduated from there. SFU Snowins. We used to get snowed in because the hill was too steep, so you'd have to stay on campus because buses wouldn't go up and down. The SFU Incline. Pretty good because you have to get up the yeah, yes, the hills you're catching along here. Yeah, the hills, SFU gondolas, the rumored gondola that never happened. <laughs> That's a good one. I like That's that strong. one. Strong, uh, 650, 650, the bloody leaves coming in. Bloody leaves, okay. At least that adds a little bit of intimidation. And every junior graphic designer will come out with their own rendition of it. Sure, I like it. Uh, the SFU antisocials. Yeah, I felt like I was pretty antisocial when I was up there. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a weird campus. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm proud to be from SFU, but it's it's kind of, you know. Are you, though? You UBC just... is very sprawling. It's Right. SFU is not, when I went there, it wasn't all that sprawling. You're in a mountain. Uh, Gavin from White Rock. The SFU raccoons, for the ones who stay late night studying, they know the raccoons be sneaking around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People in every nook and cranny of that building. <laughs> uh, this one, I think I know where this one's coming from. The SFU prisoners. So the person that designed SFU also designed prisons. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. I, I think Arthur Erickson was The there. SFU inmates? Yeah, that's strong. The jailers? It's <laughs> good. Good. Uh, Mike from Maple Ridge, the SFU cryberry, uh, crybabies. You're going to have to explain that one. We're never, we don't cry. We don't complain. Except about red leaves. I was just going to say, I feel like you're literally doing that right now. Uh, all right, keep coming with the submission, 650-650. On the other side, we'll talk to Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet, Triple Threat, Radio, TV, Digital, Sportsnet.ca. He's on the way, home with the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
This is The People Show with Bik Nizar and Randeep Janda. Welcome back to the show. It is The People Show. A lot of good uh, wrong answers only coming in. A lot Wait. of slander towards my, uh, my university. We asked you, wrong answers only, what should SFU have changed their name to? Uh, they changed today to Red Leafs. Big shout out to them. New branding. So cool. I, I I like the name. I think somewhere in some marketing company, they did a study and they realized if we put a color before a word, it looks it, it just looks cooler. Red blacks. So mind you, that's two colors. Yeah. Like blue jackets, golden knights, all this sort of stuff. Blue jays. I think somewhere they figured out if you put a color before a word, people like it. Red leaves, though. Like, in this market. I mean, there are green leaves. Sure. I, I like the I like the logo. The name I'm still worried about here. And Gatsby coming in with wrong answers only. They should have changed it to the SF Who's. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I really More like slander towards my university. <laughs> 650, 650, uh, you can keep chiming in with your submissions for wrong answers only. But uh, again, didn't want to give a shout out. I, I know we're, we we made them our subject of wrong answers only. That, that doesn't mean we're trying to go at them. No, I, I, no. I like the logo. I like the name. They did need a name change as well. Uh, I think with... Listen. Maybe like a Kodiaks or something in, instead of Grizzlies. Yeah, like... I, I'm pro Bears. All the time. And there's no Grizzlies, to your point. So can you fill the void? Yeah. Hey, take over Grizzlies. Whatever. Something Who with cares? like a bear logo would be kind of cool. I think it's too I, late. I, I don't know if Red Leafs would have been my first pick, but I like it. No, but like Red Leafs, it doesn't really do anything. It's like generic. It's like the president's choice of university names. Fine. <laughs> the president. But like, whatever. Like quality product. But you're, you're excited about that? No, you're not. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, all right, 650-650. Uh, we'll get into it with Ian McIntyre. He's going to join us in just a moment, but uh, more thoughts coming in on the JT Miller contract as well. 650-650, you can chime in. And we kind of mentioned this on, on Friday too, Randy. Like, this is the direction this team is going, right? They just made a sizable commitment to JT Miller, and this is no longer about going backwards. The The expectation we're talking about a bit before we went to break the expectation now and the demand from fans should be playoffs. And to be honest, get back to where you were in that bubble season. Win around. That that should be the standard what everyone is expecting for this upcoming year. Let's talk to Ian McIntyre, this insider, a presentation of Grip Auto and Tire. You know what's exciting when it's fall and it's Ian McIntyre season now. And I should mention, we're joined by a, a Langara Falcon, Ian McIntyre. <laughs> Yes, uh, you are. But I, I never actually played on on any of the sports teams during my years at the Langara School of Journalism, um, which actually, all kidding aside, because I know we're going to joke around, but was a fantastic school. Launched me to the career that I had. A lot of people know, and, and uh, I'm afraid I'm ignorant of, of the path that you guys have taken to this lofty perch you now occupy in broadcasting whether you went to BCIT. A lot of people are aware of the BCIT mm-hmm. uh, broadcast school. Uh, Langara was, when I was going to school, Langara was the tops in Western Canada for, I don't print, think... for print journalism, which is now, granted, uh, close to extinction, but 
There you go. A lot of famous people went to Langara. I, I don't think either of us uh, were BCIT alumnus. No, I went to Langara for two years and then SFU, IMAX. So I followed in your footsteps oh. for about two years and then I said, I can't do this. All right. Did they have a, a plaque of me on the, the wall or anything when you went there? They had a statue, but then they <laughs> they, they quickly could, took it down. Uh, this is the joking part, in case listeners haven't figured that out. Yes. There's, there's, there's no, I, I'm not, I don't exist in immortality at, at Langara, but it was a great school. <laughs> uh, great school. I, I feel like we, we, we talked to you the odd time during the summer, but uh, how was the uh, tail end of, of your summer? Not much. I think I was on once. Uh, August was fantastic. Uh, and not only because I wasn't on radio at all, but I, I really didn't do anything at all other than hang out with my family, play golf really badly to the point where I didn't play as much golf as I'd planned to. Uh, but it was just it was just great to unplug. As you guys know, I was on the Hockey Canada team at, at Sportsnet that sure. was assigned to that uh, awful story, which is ongoing and and to some extent, we'll probably be going for years. So that was a little different for me at the start of the summer, and it was nice come August uh, to to unplug. But I'm dying to know because when my only appearance of the summer was before the French Grand Prix. So, Randeep, how was the French Grand Prix? Was, He's literally wearing his Ferrari I, shirt I'm right now. I'm wearing one of my, uh, yeah, Scuderia Ferrari shirts right now. Oh, and I, I uh, Yeah, since I bought the shirt, it's all gone downhill, to be quite honest <laughs> yeah, with you. So you're responsible exactly. for that comedy of errors, which is now Team Ferrari. Exactly. But the experience itself, IMAC, uh, unbelievable. 300,000 people at Le Castellet. And just a, if you get a chance, go check it out because it was, uh, as you've seen in Montreal, just a... A cool experience, and it's nice to travel and take in, you know, sports like that when you're when you're able to get out of this beautiful city. Yeah, and and you made it a family occasion, which is right. terrific. I I took my son there as a graduation gift to the Montreal Grand Prix, but I don't think I'll be going to the French Grand Prix because the track just looks so terrible, like those big blue lines. <laughs> like, oh my god, that looks bad on TV. Not bad in person, I'll say. Okay, all right. Plus, you are in France. Yeah, life could be worse. You probably had a great Chien showed at the track. <laughs> Did you go Chien showed there? Okay, nice. Yes. nice. Uh, all right, uh, let's talk hockey instead of uh, French. Uh, oh, must we? Okay. JT Miller, $56 million. Uh, he signed till uh, the, the, the rest of eternity, I think. Uh, <laughs> your your initial impressions of what this uh, deal means, your, your piece is up at sportsnet.ca, your conversation with Jim Rutherford. Uh, but your yeah. initial thoughts on, on what this means for the Vancouver Canucks and did they make the right move here? Well, there'll be a, there'll be a new piece today because that's the one I w- wrote on Friday night. And I was mm-hmm. in a little bit of shock, as I think a lot of people were. The, the teams, the sides found their way uh, to this destination, the seven years and, and 56 million. So I, I was a little surprised at that. Uh, just, you know, the obstacles that we talked about for hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, the salary cap and JT's age and the age of the other players on this team are considered core players whose um, development arc or, you know, don't necessarily align with JT's career. But, you know, that all said, there was never any issue. And I think, you know, the Canucks made this clear as well. There was never any issue about JT's value uh, to this team, his importance to the team, and how much the team wanted him back. It was all about his age and what they felt they could afford under the cap. And, you know, this is this is a big, bold deal uh, by Vancouver. As, as, 
you know, I tweeted afterwards that we haven't seen the the traitor gunslinger that Jim Rutherford was in his previous management stops, but we certainly saw the contract gunslinger uh, in Rutherford when the organization uh, made this commitment to Miller. <clears throat> I think it's one uh, that has to be kept in context of other things going on. I, I, I suspect, although I don't think they're ever going to tell us, this idea that teams were crashing down their door with blockbuster offers for JT, uh, I'm, I don't think that was ever the case. I think there was lots of interest because he's such a great player, but there was the same the, the same uh, factors that delayed this re-signing in Vancouver gave other teams pause. You know, the cost and and the term and and JT's age. But you know, he he was their best player. Uh, last season, he's he's their best forward, and they talk a lot about. And it hasn't probably gotten talked to enough since he resigned. How much uh, both Patrick Aldean and Jim Rutherford have talked about culture and trying to set a higher standard for this group and getting young players to understand that it's a lot more than just themselves. And this is going to be. I won't bore you with it now, but this is going to be a fascinating issue this season to to see if they get, if the organization can get Pedersen and Hughes and and to a lesser extent uh, Demko and and Besser and other players who came into the organization during these low bleak years to understand that it's that it's got to be more than just about their personal success that the team success is is all that matters and I think in that in that respect. JT Miller is is a huge part of that. Like he's at least as big a part to their culture and leadership as as what he does on the ice. So personally, uh, you know, if they could have made a blockbuster trade and gotten some assets back, maybe that would have been preferable. But we would have had to seen the trade. It would have had to be much better, for instance, than than how Minnesota did on the Fiala trade with LA. Like that would have been like a baseline plus if they could have done that maybe it would have been better long term but i don't have a problem with them committing this money to to their most impactful player it will have ramifications as every contract does down the line but i think this is something to a large extent the organization has has budgeted for they 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 always planned to re-sign. They wanted to re-sign J.T. Miller. They've always planned and wanted to re-sign Bo Horvat, and I think that's going to happen too. So we see J.T. Miller, the 99-point player. I think he was pretty uh, honest in his conversation with Dan and sat earlier on Canuck Central as well, talking about where he needs to improve, uh, zeroing in on defense and also 5-on-5. Five five. But when we talk about the follow-up, and not only this coming year, but the next couple of years for J.T. Miller on an individual level, Ian, uh, what do you want to see from this player in terms of building off of last year? Like, it might not be statistics because it's hard to top 99 points. Right. But what's that next evolution of JT Miller? Well, I, I think it's as as he's mentioned, and you guys referenced it last segment about him becoming a complete player. And I think he's already made uh, a lot of headway on that issue in his time in time with Vancouver, becoming a more complete player. But honestly, that's. You know, it's a huge number, but let's keep it in perspective to the rest of the league. 
and I heard what you guys were saying. If he was really a hundred point guy, what his cost might be. His eight million dollar cap hit is fiftieth mm-hmm. in the NHL. If he can be a point per game player for them, then he's then he's well worth that. And, and I think he will be because he wasn't a one season wonder last year. If you look back, uh, you, you know everybody needed to be better in the pandemic season, the shortened season. But he was a point a game player essentially over his first two years as a Canuck and then exceeded that last year. I don't think he's going to get 99 points again. I don't think he, I don't think he has to, to make this contract worthwhile, but I think if he can continue to be a a point per game player and provide the emotion and the leadership and impact that he has on this team uh, and continues to stay healthy, which is a huge part of why he's been such a good player for them plays every game. I mean, not literally. Everybody misses some games sometime. And, of course, he was in protocol along with everybody else at some point last season. But he's a guy who doesn't get hurt, or when he gets hurt, he still plays. He brings that emotion every night. He scores points almost every night. And he makes the players around him better, which is why you can play him on the wing. You can play him at center, and you can play him on the third line, and he'll make those guys better. I was looking back. You know, he had he had a five-point game last year. He had that five-point game playing with Alex Chason and Vasily Podkolzin, each of whom had been a healthy scratch not too long before that. And those guys scored two goals each that night playing with JT Miller. That's the kind of impact he can have on others. And if he can just continue to do what he's done, bring that emotion but have it focused, you know, stay, stay in the lineup so that you're playing 75 games every year, and I don't have much doubt that he's going to continue to get enough points that that contract will be seen as worth it. That's for now. Like, it, you know, six, seven years from now, nobody has that crystal ball. Um, and the Canucks, I'm sure, went into this knowing, as every team does, who signs a player age 28 to 30 to 32 to a long-term contract, they, they have a real risk that by the end of this deal, they're going to be overpaying him. But for the next four or five years, uh, I'm not too worried about JT Miller living up to that contract. You referenced it a bit. We're talking to Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. You referenced uh, the, the Bo Horvat contract. Uh, the, the timeline of that always felt like, at least just the, the discussion around it, oh, it, it'll get sorted out. It'll get sorted out. Right. Well, now this immense focus, I guess the, the gaze of Canucks Nation shifts over to, to Patrick Alvin and Bo Horvat now of, well, when this is, is this one going to get sorted out? Do, do, do you have an impression of when maybe we'll see ink to paper on this? Uh, I, I think it'll probably happen before the season. I'll, I'll, let me put it this way. I'd be surprised if it doesn't, because I think all along there has been uh, genuine will there from both sides to get a long-term deal done. I think for a lot of reasons there wasn't the same urgency to those discussions as as there was uh, to the Miller negotiations. And I think, as, a, as I said a few minutes ago, I think they've always planned, they've always had in their mind that they're going to be able to afford both of these guys on long-term deals. You know, I, I really don't like, and I listened on my way into the to the uh, Alvin press conference today, I, I'm really not a fan of this pitting one against the other, that because now they have Miller, maybe they can't afford Horvat. Or maybe even sillier, you know, 
now that they've re-signed Miller and says he's a center, they shouldn't pay that money to another center, which I think is ridiculous. You know, on, under that premise, you know, Leon Dreisaitl is a second-line center, but he's also one of the top five players in the world. So you, you want to keep your best players, and it so happens that three of the Canucks' best players are all natural centers, whether Miller continues to be, whether Elias Pettersson plays more on the wing this year than at center, that remains to be seen. But you want to keep your best players. And I think they've always had in mind that they they really wanted to re-sign both Horvat and Miller, and they have the money to do that. Like, again, keeping it in context, you know, Miller is going to go from five and a quarter million to eight million. Bo is going to go from five and a half million. Let's say he gets seven. So you add those two numbers together, it's four and a quarter million. That's that's their inflation on these two guys for next season. They just paid more than that for Mikhaev in free agency. They've got almost that much money, a little under four million, on their books this year in dead money for the buyouts and the the bonus overage last year for Halak. This isn't a case where they can't afford these two guys. But having said all that, there, there, it's a limit to how much you can spend as every team is struggling with in the NHL or most of the teams are struggling with that. And when, <clears throat> when you do commit that money to those players, obviously it limits your options in other areas. But they had always planned to spend a lot of money on those two players. Ian, uh, we appreciate it as always. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll make this a weekly habit now that it's fall. I would love to. Excellent. And it's not fall, not, not technically yet. In fact, I'm going on holiday. Again, oh, okay. I'm taking a few more days off the rest of this week, and I'll be rested and fresh for Penticton. Are you guys going to Penticton? We have no idea, but yeah, are, are you taking your sure. vacation to Monza this week by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so good, wouldn't it? That would be great. Italy in September? Actually, anywhere would be good. Yeah, exactly. all, you know, it's just it's great to be out and about again. Absolutely. Uh, Ian, appreciate it. We'll talk soon. See you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Ian McIntyre, this insider on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by Grip Auto Entire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. We'll get into more of that conversation, uh, especially at 2.30. We're opening up that block for you, the people, 604-280-0650. If you want to call in, if you haven't had your chance to sound off, uh, you can do so at 2.30 here on the People Show, Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Because I do want to unpa- uh, unpack the Horvat stuff. Alvin kind of, I don't know, made non-committal remarks and at the same time said he's part of the core. We'll get into that later on in the show. Uh, hour two on the way. Matthew Collar will join us. We're doing our NFL divisional previews. He's a Vikings reporter. We'll talk about the NFC North uh, on the other side. We'll get into some preview talk as well. Uh, we'll do our division winners uh, in the next segment as well. I got a sneak peek. Seahawks won't be winning their division this year. <laughs> I, I can confirm this. That's one of my picks. I'll, I'll even... Breaking news. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. So irresponsible with that breaking news. Uh, I'll even go one step farther. I have the Seahawks finishing fourth in the division. Breaking news. Okay, see, now that the JT Miller extension has been done with, we have no dangers with the breaking news. People are like, whatever. No, I don't know if we can do that just quite yet. We can't. I I don't know. But in in that sort of topic, I don't mind it, but like we can't use it too often. Well, I think now the demand, and this is what I said with Ian, like the gaze is going to shift to Bo Horvat. 
People are going to go like transition real quick to this. Yeah, we got a Today week. Today is JT Miller's day, and I didn't want to get into the whole the Horvat stuff today. Maybe we do later. But We didn't get into it. Patrick I, Alvin got into it. Yeah. And what? I know Canuck Central kind of briefly talked about what it. Is it his wedding? It's his day. <laughs> we can talk about whatever we want. Well, I know, but. Okay, I think I think we can have fun with the breaking news like we did there for sure. like a day or two because JT's that's done. I'm, and I'm just telling you, man, it's gonna ramp up and people are gonna be like, "What's going on here? What's how come it's not done?" And then we're gonna get sensitive about the breaking news all over. All right, we'll again. see what the text inbox says. I, I I didn't say it was breaking news. That was Dom, yeah. so I'm gonna throw that over to Dom. <laughs> noted Manchester United fan. It was a sarcastic breaking news. Very clear, yeah. very obvious. Nobody's hating you in the text I, inbox. I, I just right think I just think the the breaking news will be a hot button issue, even though it is a hot button. All right, we got to go to break. Please go to break. We got to go to break. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, back in a minute here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.